Hi, I'm Don Manella, and you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Monarch Nation, it's Mike from the Monarchist. We are celebrating a victory Sunday after Old Dominion goes to Conway, South Carolina and wins 49 to 21. Blake Watson goes nuts, 18 carries for 256 yards, three touchdowns, offensive line, bully ball all day long. Defense shows up strong with seven sacks, holds Coastal to 88 yards on the ground on 42 carries, just a complete team win. How are we feeling about this, boys? I got three words to describe this game. Holy shit. That is about the same for me. 49 points, total domination of an undefeated team on the road. Got to be the most signature win so far for ODU, especially coming into Sunbelt 2-0 and now. So you, you said signature win there. I I was trying to think back through the years of all of our big, big wins in general. Obviously, we have the two tech wins. The biggest being in when we when they were ranked, the first one is always the best. But then I was trying to go through all the other games we've won over the years, and I'm trying to think of a bigger road win than this. And the only other one that can kind of compares is probably the GMU one because of what was on the line. But this is a team that was six and zero at home, favored by more than ten points. Um, they are ranked 29th in the country because of how the voting system is. And we just obliterate them and we bully them from start to finish. I can't think of a b- bigger road win than this in our history. Mike, I'm right there with you, man. This is one of those games where we we dominated all phases of this game. And when Coastal showed a little a little bit of life, when McCall made some plays – we immediately came back and just threw it right back in their face, driving down for a touchdown. I can't remember us ever doing that. We just never gave them hope in this game. Yeah, I mean, coming out the gate, getting the ball first and scoring a touchdown on the opening drive, I mean, just really set the tone for what we wanted to do. And I don't know if I've ever seen ODU sideline and players more fired up playing with that bad streak of we are going to smash you in the mouth. You know, he was getting chippy on the sideline almost after every play for the first 20, 25 plays. But I kind of like to see that fire. I mean, the whole sideline is getting into it. Every get back person was very busy after every single play, it seemed like. And and I mean, just, we just really bullied him. I think that's the best way to put it. Like we bullied him from the start. Like we are going to win this football game and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. So, you mentioned bully ball and the sidelines getting hyped. I, there is one moment in the game that jumps out at me, and I don't even remember who was doing it, but I remember the strength coach just getting amped. So amped, it made me get up off my seat at my house and got me amped. It was great to see. I don't think I can remember the get-back coach ever being on screen before, but he was active, very active yesterday. Phenomenal. So how do we want to go through this, guys? Do we want to go through the first quarter, or do we want to just highlight some guys that just had huge days? Well, maybe talk about like some key plays and things like that, kind of in the order of the flow of the game, and then talk about some some of the key players. And then like I definitely want to talk a little bit about that first drive that kind of set the tone for, for the whole game. Well, speaking of the first drive, I'll get started here on that one. What I loved with this, what we've I think we've been asking for this is We've noticed when we pass first, it opens up the run. When you have successful pass plays, it makes it easier for our offensive, our offense to run the ball. And what happened on that first drive? Hayden comes out, connects with Ollie, come, connects with Javon Harvey, and we start moving the ball really well downfield through the air. And that was that. The rest of the game, we could run the ball all, all day long. Yeah, and really those first two passing plays, I mean, Hayden Wolf set the tone. He got absolutely crushed on both of those passing plays. 
Coastal was able to get some good pressure. They brought six, seven guys, and I believe that they were both RPOs. So he actually made the decision to keep, drop back, and throw a pass. You know, first one to Javon Harvey, great catch there for 15. Next one is, is kind of a quick hitter slant to Ali Jennings. But both of those, Hayden hung in the pocket, took some shots, and it forced Coastal, at least for the rest of that drive, to play on their heels a little bit, knowing, right, if we send six or seven, he's still going to get the ball out. I think they were banking on Hayden giving that ball to Blake Watson because they really keyed up the middle with their defensive scheme. And, you know, he pulled it back and threw it, which in my opinion is just as important schematically as, you know, him keeping it and running it to the outside is keeping it and throwing it, especially those quick hitters. And it really puts Coastal on their heels. And then you saw Blake Watson take over that drive and end up breaking one off for 25 yards for the touchdown. And I uh, had a few words for the Coastal student section when he went in the end zone there, too, which I, I really, really liked. It was a great way to set the tone. I think Hayden only threw one more pass on that drive. And then Blake had a six-yard carry, an eight-yard carry, a three-yard carry, another eight-yard carry. And then, as you described, Gary, he broke that one, that 25-yard one off to the left for a touchdown. And just it set the tone from the game right from the start. So, obviously, we go up seven or Seven nothing early. Coastal gets the ball. They have some success moving it, and they miss a field goal, which I think sets a tone for Coastal's offense the rest of the game. I don't think they kicked. They attempted another field goal after this. They kept going for it on fourth down on their side of the field, and they left a lot of points on the board with their inability to kick or unwillingness to kick. It made me very grateful and thankful for our special teams unit that. We don't have to hesitate to put the punter out there and we know we're going to get a quality punt. Or if we're going to kick a field goal, we're going to get a quality shot at making a field goal. Coastal did not have any confidence in their kicking game with their punter or their kicker really the, the entire time. I mean, they end up going for it on five fourth downs and they went two for five. So basically forced them to have three turnovers because they didn't trust their kicking game. And kind of the opposite of that, you know, we only had three third downs or six third downs the entire game. And we went 50%. So just having, you know, don't take for granted the special teams units we have with our ability to punt, our ability to kick and just operationally handle things to not force us to try low percentage conversions on fourth down. So he gets the ball back up seven, nothing. We have another good drive that's going fine. And then we get a holding penalty that kind of, sputters the whole drive at that point. And then after the holding, Hayden gets sacked. It's kind of is what it is. We punt. And then Coastal has their first drive where they're turning it over on downs. Defense was great when they had to be on definitely in this first quarter and all game long. Yeah, the defense was reading Coastal like a book, especially in that first half. You saw a lot of late adjustments on the field for the defense to get in position to make plays on that triple option format. Uh, I talked about it during the week last week, and you're playing a option style team like that. It's discipline and speed. Like don't backpedal, don't hesitate because that is when they're going to take advantage of you. We didn't. That's I think the fastest that our defense has looked this season, which is saying something because they've played very fast and played very well. But they stayed disciplined. They knew their assignments. They stayed on it. They did not miss a lot of tackles, which was a great improvement from some of the previous few games where we missed some tackles in space, really weren't missing those even in the one-on-ones. It, it almost seemed like Coastal was running away from Jason Henderson a little bit, which is not an easy thing to do. But he was not our leading tackler, I think, for the first time this season on Saturday. And I, I know a couple of weeks ago, I said, I would like to see his tackles go down and spread those out a little bit. And, and really, you saw that quite a bit. The defensive line was getting good penetration. And it really just seemed like we knew what they were going to do. That's kind of what it looked like. We had guys in position. And, and I think that's just discipline and speed and making the plays and doing your job. Yeah, so we just talked about that point where we had to do touchback. Coastal gets the ball with about seven and a half minutes left, and McCall orchestrates a methodical drive down the field to get a touchdown, brings the game to seven to seven. So at that point, we're like, okay, we got a game. So we get the ball back with two minutes, 52 seconds, and Hayden throws an incomplete pass to Isaiah Page. We got a nice completion to Ali for 17 yards, 
and then Blake hits a dagger for 58 yards to score a touchdown. This is the first example of them scoring and then we coming back immediately and punching them right in the mouth. And Blake ran, I think, with a little more patience than maybe he's shown earlier in the season. Like not just trying to rush to get to the line of scrimmage, but being patient, finding the holes. The offensive line did a fantastic job of clearing out some gaps. Definitely want to shout out Xavier Black up the middle. I don't I know that you two saw it, but the nose tackle for Costa was lined up on him pretty much the whole game. He's six four, three hundred and forty pounds. He is huge. He made like one half of a play the entire game. That was it. Xavier Black absolutely dominated him up the middle, and that cleared the way for a lot of those runs between the tackles. So just a great job by the offensive line, rotating a couple guys in there and just really getting back to that bully style of O-line play that we saw the second half of last year. Really, really proud of the steps they made. You saw it in those rushing yards. I mean, I think Blake Watson had more rushing yards on Saturday than we as a team had the entire season, which is pretty impressive against a, a pretty strong defensive front for Coastal. All right. So one thing I want to say about the McCall drive, their first touchdown that Coastal scores, he is as advertised. He is a fantastic quarterback. He was making throws on the run and making plays with his feet all game long. Luckily, our defense was – really good at containing him and that's how we get those seven sacks he had not been sacked he had only been sacked seven times the whole season and we matched that number in one day but he is as advertised he is he's a fantastic quarterback yeah even for as much as old Dominion's defense was getting to him he still went 26 for 34 with 358 and three touchdowns just still a, a pretty good day at the office i think where we really turned it was he had 11 carries for 18 yards. His net rushing was minus 20 with all the sacks. So did not let him use his feet too much to beat us. I know he had, he ran for a pretty big first down on a third down early in the game, but we were able to contain and pressure him and basically say, all right, you want to beat us, you're going to have to throw it and really limited the run game. I believe that Coastal only had 137 total yards of rushing and 90 net when you take out the sacks. So just containing him and being disciplined that if you make Grayson McCall one dimensional, just with the way that offense is set up, you're going to have some success against them. 88 yards net. Good for an average of what? 2.2 per carry with the sacks. Pretty good day at the office for the defense. So as Aaron mentioned, Grayson goes to the medical tent and is, replaced by the back quarterback i think they're working on his foot but he comes back in the second half still plays hard but first drive in the second quarter defense forces a fumble and it's back to business for the offense another quick hitting touchdown ended with a surprise dj mack run out of the rpo beautiful run by dj yeah, I mean, coming out of halftime, you know, as much as OD looked like they had dominated, you know, only being up 14 to 7, you, you really need to make some plays there and extend that lead and, and extinguish any hopes that Coastal had. We got that with a fumble. Squid Gogo reached out to me on Twitter and said that was probably his favorite moment. And thinking about it, that's probably was almost the nail in the coffin, was getting that turnover, then immediately coming down the field and scoring. Absolutely love the use of DJ Mack in what we are now going to call the Mack attack offensive formation. You know, when that first happened, I did not notice. I think I looked away from the TV and I didn't notice that DJ had come in. So I see the quarterback keep the ball. And I'm like, holy shit, Hayden's keeping it. He's faster than I, I remember. And then, I, and then I noticed that it was number eight. It was a sweet play. It really was. Do you have it on mute? They did, they did call him out when he came on the field. Well, Mike, you know what the Navy's done to my hearing and how many times you have to talk to me, so, man. Turn it up. <laughs> I didn't notice it in the closed captioning either. All I noticed is the dude was fast, and he scored a touchdown. DJ Mack, touchdown, awesomeness. Yeah, and so, also on that drive, Hayden had a great pass for about 16 yards to Javon Harvey that then set up that kind of Mack attack. It took a first and 10 pass to, to Javon Harvey. Gets him down to the 20, and then that is when the, the Mac attack kicked in. We talked about matchups last Sunday. 
that Javon Harvey pass, that important pass right there, caught against Lance Boykin. Beautiful. I will also add, I think the announcers highlighted this during the game, but Harvey on his last eight targets has eight receptions. He is becoming a very good secondary receiver for us and a very productive one because he doesn't get a lot of targets, but when he does, he is finishing the play. Yeah, and he also did a fantastic job blocking on some of those running plays. I can't remember which touchdown it was that Blake Watson had. It was one of the longer ones. I think it was the 58-yarder. Javon Harvey is blocking the corner all the way down the field. And I mean all the way down the damn field. That's the one, though. Isn't that the one Blake is really patient there at the end? It almost like he's pulling up a little bit, slowing down a little bit, but he's reading that block. And then he cuts it inside a little bit to score that touchdown. I'm pretty sure that that is the one that Javon all the way down the field. Yeah, and that's really the the key difference there in the run game is obviously the offensive line is doing well. Blake is being patient, but the wide receivers really bought into like we are just because we're not catching a pass doesn't mean we're not going to get involved. And that blocking on the outside also from tight end sliding in there. It's always fun to watch a receiver get about 40 yards where they're just blocking a corner and just bullying them all the way out the back of the end zone. All right, so Old Dominion is up 21-7. Coastal gets the ball. They don't do much with it. They turn, they're turning over on downs, which that, that possession is ended by a Marcus Haynes sack. ODU responds very quickly. Passes Javon Harvey for 16 yards, a short run by Tariq Sims, and then it's ended with – Hayden Wolf finding Isaiah Page in the end zone for 22 yards and a touchdown. Old Dominion now leads 28 to 7. And it feels like this game is running away from Coastal. Yeah, and this was another good example of guys stepping up with Zach Koontz and Jordan Bly being out. I think it was almost a, a wake up call, I think, last week of, all right, we're not going to have Koontz. Uh, I know Bly didn't go out until late in the week last week, but just kind of rallying around that thought of we have to step up and you saw quite a few guys in that receiver core do that with Javon Harvey for sure Isaiah Page there were a number of them that that stepped up and I thought this drive was a great example of that and a beautiful pass from Hayden Wolf to hit Isaiah Page on that this is the beginning of the end for Coastal so it's fourth and three they go for that they lose 10 yards on that sack and give us the ball in the 41 and then ODU does exactly what you guys just said extend the lead 28 to 7 it's over at that point. It felt like desperation to me going for it there, fourth and three at the time, just the way the game was going. But I guess they felt like they had to do it, and it didn't work. Yeah, they have. They might have a little too much confidence in Grayson McCall and his ability to make plays. But he does show off on the next possession how good he is. And a one-play quick hitter touchdown from Grayson to Jared Brown, 75 yards for a touchdown bringing the score back to 28 to 14. The beauty of this is Old Dominion continues to respond and score. We come back with an eight play, 70 yard touchdown drive ended by maybe my favorite play of the year, a DJ Mack fake handoff and he, or well, it's kind of a handoff and then run and pass to Isaiah Spencer, wide open, 21 yards, t- touchdown. I think they call it fake power on Twitter. It was a beautiful play and my favorite this year. Just, it's pretty impressive for him to be so accurate on the run with that throw, but no one was expecting that to happen. The, the defense caved in, no one is covering the tight end, and he's just wide open and walks into the end zone. If it's called fake power, it turns into real power because it was pretty freaking sweet. But let's rewind just one play. Third and 22, Hayden steps up in the pocket, shows confidence and mobility, and throws a strike to Ali for 27 yards to get that first down. Immediately, DJ comes in, catches those guys like they're on their skates. They don't know what hit them after that thing. Touchdown, boom, 35-14. And I think we're all jumping off of the couch and screaming in our house, probably scaring the dogs, maybe the wives. So there's two two things with that play. Other 
Hayden, obviously, the scramble extends the play. He moves beautifully in the pocket to stay alive. But also, I Ali sat perfectly in that zone. Because if you go back and watch the replay, he's he's behind two guys with, like, they're only five yards in front of him. And the ball goes right over their heads. They can't find it. And he was just sitting perfectly in that zone. He found the right spot and just made a play. Beautiful stuff from Hayden and Ollie on that play. Yeah, Hayden Wolf's pocket presence and his confidence and using his feet to extend plays. We saw it step up in the Liberty game. We're seeing a continuation of that now. I know he won't have the yardage totals that you know you would probably be expecting from a 49-point game, but he made some huge plays. He took some shots, didn't seem to phase him at all. I mean, he got crushed the first two plays of the game, and he's still moving around the pocket, stepping up, offensive line creating a good pocket and a place for him to step up and look and find you know someone like Ollie Jennings who runs a picture perfect route down the field for that big first down and then talking about the the Mac touchdown pass at the end of the last couple games of last season we saw this package in goal line settings but there was never really a passing component to it so defenses were able to put nine in the box and just blitz and disrupt the entire play that one passing play from that package will cause defenses to hesitate for the rest of the season. Much in the same way that the one Hayden Wolf keeper against Liberty two weeks ago for a touchdown forced Coastal to actually account for his legs in the running game and on those RPOs, which kept one last person in the box. So just that one pass, that's the only pass that DJ Matt throws out of that package the whole year it has already had its desired effect on every defense that we're going to play anytime we get in the red zone and put Mac out there at quarterback. All right. Coastal gets the ball. They have 11 play, 77-yard drive. And as this is going on, I am telling my buddy, who I'm watching the game with, this drive is taking way too long for Coastal to have any shot to come back. They need the quick score. They didn't get it. They did get a score, but 11 plays, 77 yards, five minutes go off the clock. They go from the third quarter to the fourth quarter. Uh, the game is 35-21, but there's not that much time left at, at, at this point. Coastal needed a faster drive there, and they didn't get it. And credit to our defense for making it hard to score on that drive. Obviously, Grayson McCall made the plays when necessary, but our defense slowed him down enough to just kill the clock. It was almost like we were running the ball. Yeah, we accomplished a very difficult feat on defense on that drive. We were able to bring pressure while still not being in a position to give up the big play. That's incredibly hard to do. So kudos to the defensive scheming there because that was just incredible. Well, Ed, if if you're trying to remember what drive this is, this is the same drive where we had the two personal fouls with the hands to the face that – made it possible for that kind of helped them score at this point but i we, we never got replays so i don't know if it actually happened or not but let's just assume the refs were right and there was actually hands to the face but i didn't see it i don't know the the first one it looked like it was a legitimate call i believe that was on a third down after we got a stop the one on fourth and 16 at the ODU 19 was terrible. And I believe that's what prompted me to tweet out that they should shove their flags up their ass because like, I was just done with it at that point. Like the penalties extended those drives. We stopped them twice and you know, one, okay, whatever. But the second one, going back and watching it, it just, it, it, it's nothing that doesn't happen on every single play of every single football game. And it just seemed like, those were stacking against us at the least opportune times, and it let Coastal stay in the game. And, you know, after the second one on fourth and 16, they throw a quick, you know, kind of dump out pass for a touchdown to the left side and make it a two-score game. Well, you know what my favorite part of this drive was? The next drive. We immediately yeah. kicked them right in the nuts, and it's pretty awesome. You're right. Yeah. Two runs from – Blake Watson, the first eight yards, the second 67 yards. This is the moment where we're telling Coastal, it's over. You should just give up and go home. Blake was phenomenal. There's nothing else you can really say about him and the offensive line and what they did on this Saturday. Yeah, and I believe that that was the touchdown run that Javon Harvey had that block all the way down the field to kind of seal it, and Blake was patient. 
but yeah, to, to you know, it, it's a two-score game. If we go three and out there and punt, Coastal has life. They've got the momentum. But instead, like you said, Aaron, they came out there. We kicked him right in the nuts to Blake Watson again, who scores a long touchdown. Defense comes out. They are fired up. I, I know the, the watch party I was at with some of the RVA monarchists and, and Dave from Norfolk in, in Chad's garage, the, the fireball was flowing. The Irish car bombs were just going all over the place. We were losing our minds because at that point we knew that we had this thing won. Then the defense comes out and forces, I think, uh, it wasn't a three and out. Oh, yeah, it was. It was three yeah, they, right they punted. That. This was the white flag being waved. Is I don't know if this is the first punt we see. Uh, it may have been. But this is the, hey, all right, guys, we're tapping out. It's over. Good game. Yeah, and you started to see why they had no faith in their punting game because it was a 33-yard punt. <laughs> this is this is when all of their fans started walking out. And we highlighted that on our Twitter account. And it's always a beautiful thing to come in as the road team and watch the stands empty out before the game is even over. And to make matters even better, Old Dominion responds after that three and out with a seven-play, 58-yard touchdown drive finished by a Hayden to Ollie Jennings touchdown pass, which makes this, what, his eighth straight game with a touchdown reception? I think they highlighted that in the game. I don't think we had one in the Virginia Tech game. Did he? I think I thought he had one. Now, he had that pass interference that he should have, that one that, that bomb right on the goal line. But I think a pass interference kept it from being. He had two that pass interference kept him from being touchdowns, I believe, in the Tech game. Regardless, the dude has freaking been balling. But I know everybody's looking this thing up right now. He does not have – he did not have one in the – But he may as well – he may as well had two in that game because he had PIs right on the goal line, I think, on two different ones that were – that set up touchdowns immediately. Yeah, so at least five straight games with the touchdown. And that was a fourth and two where we went for it to kind of go for the throat and finish that thing with our offense. The beautiful pass out there to Ollie Jennings from Hayden Wolf. After we had run the Mac attack a couple of plays before, and they had kind of keyed in on it because they knew at that point we were going to be running with the down and distance and in time scenario. But to to go for it on fourth and two like that, to go for the throat and not think, all right, we'll take three and put the defense back out there. I, I love that. We had that attitude all game of like, you can't stop us. <laughs> what a pass that was too. I mean, it had – it was – had so much air and had so much touch and Ali was going to be the only one who was going to be able to get to that thing. It was, it was a pretty sweet. So speaking catch. of Ali, he is now second in yards. He remains second in yards to Nebraska's Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer has played in seven games and only has 781 yards. Ali has 775 yards, only six less in one fewer game. I think it's safe to say if Ollie continues what he's doing, he's going to end the season as the nation's leading receiver. It's amazing what he's done, and it would we wouldn't be three and three without him. We might be yeah. zero and six. Yeah, I mean he's he's been a force to be reckoned with, and I think you're going to see that come draft time at at some point, whether that's after this season or after next season, but. You know, it, it seems like Coons is going to be down for an extended period of time. So he is going to be our number one receiver. But if we keep seeing these other guys step up, they're not going to – other defenses aren't going to be able to just double him all the time because if you double him, then Blake Watson's going to go off for 250 yards or, you know, Isaiah Page is going to get it, Javon Harvey, any of the tight ends. I mean, it, he is – he just messes you up completely from a defensive standpoint if other guys are, are getting going. But we, you know, during that play, because we were kind of debating, like, should we kick, should we not? There was a timeout right before it. And what I said in the garage there is we're either going to run a read option and Hayden is going to run this thing in, or they're going to throw a fade in the corner to Ali. Basically, not going to risk a turnover. If we give them the ball, it's going to be at their own two-yard line. Defense will go eat and get a safety. It was a fade to Ali. Beautifully thrown, beautifully caught. It's either incomplete or a touchdown. And, of course, throwing Ali, it's a touchdown. I think what Ali is doing is – it's showing it's showing athletes, student athletes in the state of Virginia. Nolly's just from down the road in Richmond, probably your next door neighbor, Gary. And these guys, if they choose for whatever reason not to come to Old Dominion initially and they go away to some other, you know, to a P five school, that they can come here 
they can come back and they can do amazing things because he has just blown it up and it's been amazing to watch. Yeah, I mean, he's gone from a guy who wasn't getting many touches or looks at West Virginia to the number two, soon to be number one receiver in the country. You really got to think about that with the age of the transfer portal. If you're not getting the love you deserve at your P5 school or you look at your quarterback situation, <laughs> cough Virginia Tech, you know, you, you've got to think like, you know, Hayden Wolf's going to be back here next year. He can throw the ball. He protects the ball well. He can make you look good. So, I mean, that the, the portal is going to be our friend here for the foreseeable future. He's, he's done the same thing for Zach. Because Zach came here as a, a tight end who was well-regarded out of high school. Obviously, he's having his injury issues this year. But he's the nation's leading tight end receiver last year because of coming here after just being forgotten at Penn State, essentially. Obviously, he's been looking at the draft this year or entering and going pro, but I don't know if that's going to still happen with this injury situation and his output. I hope to see him back next year, but whatever happens, he has shown that the portal is a good thing and that you should use it and go to Old Dominion. Old Dominion is now 2-0 and top of the East in the Sun Belt. It's a beautiful day. Is there anything else you guys want to cover here? Maybe we should pick our stars of the game before we do that i just want to say has old dominion ever had touchdowns on seven straight drives because that happened yesterday and well even with taylor i don't remember if we ever did that i'm sure we did new hampshire game it had to have been the new hampshire game okay now i'm gonna look it up while you guys are talking because now I'm, i'm curious I think it was six straight drives that we scored a touchdown on. We scored on the opening drive, then we punted twice, and then we scored on the next six. But we only had nine offensive drives on Saturday. Nine. And we scored touchdowns on seven of them. So seven touchdowns, two punts. He's right. Uh, It was six. It was six. Yeah, it it was six. But we scored touchdowns on seven of our nine drives against Coastal, which is incredible. Time of possession, we miserably lost the time of the possession game, but who cares? We kicked their ass. It was 23 minutes for ODU, 37 for Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina ran 81 plays. We ran 49 plays. However, we were averaging over 10 yards of play. So they had the ball more. They ran more plays. They had it for longer, and it didn't matter. We won by four touchdowns against a great quarterback and a team that was 6-0 and and probably going into Saturday – the odds-on favorite to win the Sun Belt East. There's, there's one other stat I'd want to add. We had six third downs. We were three for six on third down. Coastal had 17 third downs, and they were eight of 17. Our defense was playing their balls off on Saturday. Yeah, we give up yards. It is what it is. But they only gave up 21 points, shut them down when they needed to, this defense is fun, and if you aren't on the bandwagon yet, I don't know what you're doing. And look, giving up all those yards by the defense, that's on purpose. That's to tire their offense out. And then once we've tired them out and they're in the red zone, bam! And it worked yesterday. And we talked about this last week going into this game where they could move the ball down the field, but they actually had quite a lot of struggles in the red zone, which is the opposite of our defense where we give up those yards and we lock it down. We really kind of pretended the red zone was about the 30 or the 35, and that's really when we started locking things down from a defensive standpoint. So, like, they got to midfield, and sorry, the curtain is the, – the COSA curtain is closed in the middle of the court. Like, you are not going to get down the field on us. And we saw that that come to life and just really just good disciplined football, fast football, and all the chirping on the sideline. I, I loved it. Jason Henderson on that first offensive drive was letting – Coastal absolutely have it, and he goes out there on the field and starts popping people. Got to got to love seeing that from your your linebacker and your team there, and and all the get back guys. Just the energy that they had coming out of the bye week was really impressive. I am going to be looking for some sort of announcement from Sun Belt for Pinkney trying to shove Trey Hawkins into the, like shove his face through the turf. It happened on the first drive of the game. He tosses Hawkins onto the ground on a running play, which is holding, first of all, not not thrown. The sideline judge is right here. 
He then, once he's on the ground, he shoves his head into the ground, and then he kind of does like a punching motion for a third strike. The, the ref finally gets involved and breaks it up. And Hawkins comes back and takes a swing at him. They don't call, throw any flags. Luckily, they don't throw one on Hawkins for being the, the responder. But the fact that the ref was right there, he had a chance to like to stop the chippiness on the field pretty early, and he avoided it. Because this was Coastal's first drive of the game when they were doing this. Yeah, and it was, I noticed. It was pretty egregious. It was one of the most egregious things I've ever seen because the ref is right there. It's not like he didn't see it. Yeah, and it happened on coastal side sideline, like right in front of their sideline. I promise that that happened on the ODU sideline. That probably escalates to something a little bit nastier. But yeah, they they, I think we saw this in the Arkansas State game. It was pretty chippy, and the refs just kind of let it go and and broke it up. But then Ryan Henry gets a personal foul for the same kind of thing a little bit later, which actually not even is bad. It was just kind of some pushing and some shoving. So it, I, I think they're going to let a lot of stuff go. You know, we've got to clean that up. It's the, the penalties pre-whistle and post-whistle are the ones that get you. And, and speaking of kind of the referees, I, I've got to say Alonzo Ford getting that roughing the passer than the review for targeting. I mean, that is that is terrible. It, it wasn't roughing the passer. It definitely wasn't targeting. They threw that flag because Grayson McCall got absolutely smoked by Alonzo Ford. But it was a textbook hit, avoided the head or neck, didn't go low, didn't go high, and he didn't fall on him, didn't wrap him up, nothing. Just a good, clean pop as the ball is getting let go. You know, They flagged it for roughing the passer and targeting. You can't overturn the roughing the passer call. They should have been able to overturn both, but it's not the way that the review so, was. As you're growing up and playing football, they teach you to put your nose on the numbers. If you watch that play, he, he does come in with the crown, but right before he hits him, he puts the nose on the numbers. He lit his ass up, but it was a clean hit. It wasn't late. He had just got rid of the ball. You're right. That was a phony call. And kudos to the ESPNU commentators. They were spot on. They were right on going. They didn't see it after watching tons of replays. They were incredulous about it, as were we as we were watching the game. And it's a shame because it was a heck of a play and it was taken away from them. So, and I was listening to the radio broadcast at this point with, with ESPNU muted and credit to our own crew. They go down to the sideline reporter. who says, I'm pretty sure this flag was thrown just because he got lit. Like, just because it was a hard hit and he was right on the money. It, that's all it was. All right, fellas. 49-21, we are first in the Sun Belt East, 2-0. We have control of our own destiny the rest of the way. And if we can keep this up, maybe we host a Sun Belt Championship. Obviously, we're, I'm moving way too far ahead, but that is in the cards if we do things right. We have to give some credit here, some more kudos. Who is your player of the game? Who is who's your guy that you want to highlight? And there's about a dozen that I could choose from. Uh, it's hard. I'm going to have to have two rounds here because I've got a couple. But I, I've, I've got to go with D.V. Harris. Uh, two sacks on the day, both of them in huge spots. Really, the whole defensive line, eight. Like, I, mean, I talked about Alonzo Ford getting that the bullshit rough in the pass recall. He had a great game as well. It just didn't really show up in the stat sheet. But I'm going to go with D.V. Harris and his two sacks at critical, critical points of this ballgame. I'm going to give my first to the entire offensive line. They kept Hayden clean. They made big-ass holes. Blake was patient and took care of business with him, but the O-line was superb all game long. I'm going to give my first to Kevin Reiner. Not a player, but he called a brilliant game. He had this offensive line ready to go. We ran the ball beautifully. But him calling in those Mac plays when Coastal was not expecting it was just chef's kiss, beautiful, beautifully done. Yeah, and I'll give one more here, and it's going to go to DJ Mac, piggybacking off of what you said there. You know, DJ did not get the starting job this year. He lost it halfway through last season. Would have been really easy for him to hop in the portal. I'm sure dozens of teams would have taken him. CS, FBS, he could be starting somewhere right now. 
He continues to be a good teammate in the locker room. He helps Hayden. He's fun. He's positive, And he is ready to go at a moment's notice if we need him. And adding him to our offensive package of what we already have is a game changer for us. It changes everything. It puts the defense on its heels. It's something else that they have to spend time during the week practicing for. So DJ Mack, passing touchdown, rushing touchdown. I'm going to give, give some definite kudos there for just being a great teammate and making big plays. That's a great one, Gary. All right. My second one is going to be Justin Walker. All right. Athletic trainer for ODU by week. This team clearly came in prepared. They were healthy. I mean, I know Zach was on the side looking sweet with his ball cap, had the, had the tank top look, you know, he, like he was, he was in Myrtle ready to go, but the team was clearly physically prepared. Guys were healthy. They were rested. And fortunately, I don't think we saw, saw any significant Knicks yesterday. So kudos to Justin and his staff for making sure that the team was ready to go. Isn't that crazy, or is no one said Blake Watson? Dude, I mean, I don't think we have to – I don't is think we just, even have to say pick? that. It's just – yeah, it's almost like cheating. All right. Noted. Right, so I won't take the obvious answer. Well, f- feel free if you want to because he more than deserves player of the game with his day. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it was great to see him get highlighted on ESPN with his helmet sticker. First time we've seen that in a while since Blake LaRusso got it for the big win over Virginia Tech. We all love him. Yeah, Blake's Blake's everywhere, man. He's on ESPN. He's blowing up on Twitter. Big game boomer put him, you know, everything. We gave him our credit on Twitter already. Like he he, he broke what? He he broke the record for yards in a game, rushing yards yeah. in a game. Yeah. Phenomenal performance. But uh Third, third like, now, third now in the history of ODU, right? The third overall for for career for a guy that was recruited as a wide receiver. Yeah, that's the funny part. He was a wide receiver and just kind of ended up being a running back, and he's turned but, into just a stud. And he keeps doing what he's doing. He's going to pass Jeremy Cox in not that long. All right. So if I can't, he it's too obvious. I can't give it to him. I'm thinking Trey because he led the team in tackles, but Denzel Lowry, he's the other two-sack man on the day. I love – I mean, we all love it when you, your team hits the other quarterback, and we had seven on the day. Denzel gets two of them. It, it's Keep doing it, defense, please. Uh, it, I, I won't cheat and throw out another one, but honorable mention to Sean Asbury, the transfer corner from Boston College. Four solo tackles. Seemed like he was involved a lot. We talked about how much better the tackling was. Mike is holding up five. He had five solo tackles. I think it was eight total. Talk about how the tackling got better. And with that offensive system, corners and safeties are going to have to step up and make tackles in space. I thought he did a great job of that. Robert Kennedy did a great job of that. Trey Hawkins did a great job of that. Just execution-wise on the defense, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And if we're just going to throw out superlatives, Terry Jones (laughs) – Terry Jones, again, making big plays. There's, there's, I don't know if you guys watch Ted Lasso. But they, have this, they have this great chant for Roy Kent. Roy Kent, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Roy Kent. If you switch Roy Kent out with Terry Jones, that chant works out pretty well. I think I gave that to Jason Henderson earlier this year. I think after Arkansas State when he had like 5,000 tackles. So, I think we could just say that for the entire defense as fast as they're flying around. I mean, it's, it's the Roy Kent four, two, five. Dude. I like it. We've got to go with that. Hey, it, there was just a lot of creativity this week in general. I mean, we even had a big woo sighting, multiple sightings, actually. Yeah. 10 snaps for big woo on the line with like the jumbo tight end package. Rocking the 89. More of that, please. Yeah, Mick gets some. And I, I'll say this: when the Sun Belt schedules come out next year, you better hope that you're not the team playing us after the bye, because between last year and this year, like that's just not a fun place to be playing us after a bye. And it's a a testament to the coaching staff and how much effort they put into getting better every week. You give them that extra week, we get a little bit healthier. And I mean, it, you know, we we rattled off five straight after the bye week last year. I certainly hope that we can rattle off five straight again after this bye week because that would be 
a, a massive, uh, massive change in culture and expectations at Old Dominion in just really the second year effectively for this coaching staff. All right, fellas. It's hard to move on to something else because this game was so much fun. I mean, it's just is what you ex want to see when your team is on the road. I mean, just utter dominance. I mean, it, just think about from when we hired Ricky. Could you even envision a win like this? I mean, we, we were all excited about the hire originally, but going on the road and having an utter dominant defensive and offensive play a game, we'd never seen that before at Old Dominion against a really good team. We've never seen this before. So, I mean, I, I'm still kind of in shock. It's That was so much fun to watch. That's the type of game that opponents and fans of your opponents see and make them shudder to think, of you coming to town. If that's the old dominion team that we see going forward. I mean, if you get two thirds of that offensive efficiency and the defense just continuing to play that the way they have been, it's a very difficult team to beat. Yeah. And my, my inbox was blowing up from Georgia state fans. The Southern Miss boys were all very excited about this. I, I didn't realize that coastal might be the most hated team in the Sun Belt until we started playing that game. But, you know, the, I think the, the teams in the Sun Belt that I, I chat with that are not on our schedule were really, really excited. I kind of got the, hey, congrats from, like, the Georgia States and the Georgia Southerns, but, like, oh, shit, you're still on our schedule ahead of us and you could be a problem. But, I mean, if you look around the Sun Belt for the rest of the weekend, right, we far and away had the most dominating win. I mean, Louisiana goes to Marshall, wins by 10. That's a good win. Marshall's got all kinds of problems on offense. Troy gets a three-point win at home against Texas State. Uh, Georgia Southern with a touchdown win over JMU at home. South Alabama gets a seven-point win against Louisiana Monroe. Southern Miss ekes out a one-pointer against Arkansas State. Like this conference is nutty, and it's you got to scratch and you got to claw. So for us to win, basically by more points than the rest of the Sun Belt got their wins the entire weekend, is is pretty impressive. It's going to put teams on notice. But as we've seen this year. Enjoy it this week. We're going to close the book on it tonight and on to Georgia Southern. Oh, it's a statement win. It's a complete statement win. But I want to add why they hate Coastal is something we, we learned a little bit more about today. Me and Aaron had the, the pleasure of joining Danny Reed, who is Georgia Southern's play-by-play -play man, on his podcast. And he let us know when Coastal in 2020 during the COVID season, they were supposed to play for the conference championship against Louisiana. Their defensive line coach got COVID and they, they canceled. So no one was awarded a champion that year. Though Coastal does claim it, even though the game wasn't played. And then they played in a bowl game very quickly after that conference championship game was supposed to be played. And the D-line coach was there. So they, that's why if you see the Photoshopped picture of their logo where they're called the Astra Clears, with the asterisks on it, that is why. Uh, on top of that, that dirty play that I talked about on, I talked about it earlier in this episode. I also talked about it on Twitter. We got a lot of responses from app fans, from Georgia State fans, Georgia Southern fans. They said, that's just coastal. They are a chippy team that gets away with it, and it's bothered teams for a while. So now we have a little bit of history of why people don't like that explains the COVID Carolina comments that I kept getting messages about. Like I kept getting that, especially from like uh, state fans, app fans, Louisiana fans, call them COVID Carolina. That makes a lot more sense now. Have we not had more fun in the Sun Belt in just a few weeks than we had in Conference USA the entire time? Well, I, I think we need to credit the podcast a little bit for that. We've, we've, We've got a little community going with the rest of these Fun Belt podcasts, and it it's, makes the games a lot more interesting on Saturdays. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I just care a lot more about our opponents now and care about beating them and getting info from them and chatting with them. Um, you know, not many ODU fans made the trip down the coast, so we were just there for the bowl game. Uh, a lot of ODU fans had actually been to every single ODU game prior to this. I know the, the two of you had. I, I miss East Carolina. 
And then, of course, you like I'm going to Georgia State uh, here in a couple of weeks, and we've got a lot of great home games. Uh, but it, it's just fun to care about beating your opponent again and like knowing someone that you can go talk trash to. Like I'm, I'm certainly glad we're not in the CAA anymore and, and dealing with all that stuff. I'm glad we didn't end up going to the A-10 for certain sports. Like it, it's a good balance of both, and it's just going to get crazier, nuttier, chippier as we go forward here. But, I mean, we're – Sunbelt East is still the best G5 division in all of college sports, and you can't change my mind on that. All right, fellas. So we got to move on to Georgia Southern. There's, I got one thing I want to shout out before we move on to Georgia Southern. Uh, ODU men's soccer goes on the road and beats top five Marshall. Huge win, topping off a great day for ODU. I think Marshall was number four in the country. It's a great win for men's soccer. I know field hockey absolutely demolished someone today. So just a great weekend overall for ODU, but don't want to shortchange men's soccer with a win over number four and a recent national champion. Good call out there, Gary. Yeah, our first win, our first win over top five since 2016, I believe. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but we were running Conference USA soccer for a while there. But we've fallen off the last few years, and it seems like the page is kind of turning back to being a competitive soccer program. It's great to see. It's a huge win. Aaron, what were you about to say? I was just going to add on to what Gary's saying is we've got a lot of squads that are, are playing well. Yeah, hat, hats off to Andrew Griffiths over there at the field hockey team. I think they're ranked, what, maybe number 13 or 14 in the country. They're playing really well right now. It's great to see. Yeah, and I think volleyball split a home match with Coastal Carolina over the weekend for still being a relatively new program. They've done some incredible things over there. I've caught your – your podcast with Coach Chow and just really, really doing a lot of good stuff in that volleyball facility. Yeah, it's a great facility. It's a lot of fun to watch. Get over there if you haven't. Good time. Almost as good a time as we're going to have next week. I think that's where Mike is taking us right now. That's right. Georgia Southern is coming to town for homecoming. The tailgate lots open early, guys. We get extra tailgating time this week because of the parade. So tailgate lots open at 10 a.m. I can confirm that 10 a.m. Get there early because if you get there late, you won't be able to park. So get to the lots early or you're going to have to wait until the parade is over and you're going to be annoyed because you you've just been stalling for an hour or however long it takes this parade to clear out. So get to the lots early. Now, let's talk about the game. Georgia Southern comes to town. They are four and three on the season, I believe. They beat JMU this past weekend, knocking them off the top 25, ruining their perfect season. It was a great game. I believe they won it really closely, threw for a ton of yards, and showed everyone maybe beating JMU through the air is the way to take them down. What do you got on this Georgia Southern team, Gary? And this is not the Georgia Southern team that we saw in the playoffs several years ago. This is a pass-happy offense. Clay Helton is their head coach. At one point, was the head coach at USC. Bringing in a, a very familiar uh, face to us, Kyle Van Treese is their quarterback. He was the quarterback for Buffalo last year when they played in Norfolk. Didn't have a huge day there, but obviously they got a one-point win over us after the shenanigans there at the end of the game. Uh, but this is a pass-first offense now, just on Saturday against JMU, and that was a game that was a lot of fun to watch. It was an old-school shootout, reminding me of some Big 12 games. Uh, but Van Treese went 38 for 64, 578 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Beat JMU by a touchdown late. Really just a good game, but they only had, they had 16 carries and 23 yards on the ground. They had a, a net rushing of only 12 yards. So if, if you're coming out on Saturday and you expect to see the old Georgia Southern double wing triple option, that's not going to be the case. You're going to see a high-flying offense that can throw the ball around, that gets the ball out quickly, very similar to what ODU ran with Taylor Heineke of take what the defense gives you and then pop some explosive plays when they come up. You're going to see a lot of that. I think the over-under went an open at like 68 or 65 or something, probably the biggest over-under we've had this season. If you're outside Virginia, I would hit that over because I think you're going to see some offensive fireworks in this game. Defensively, Georgia Southern, 
not really a priority for them. They give up a lot of, of yards to the air. They give a lot of yards on the ground. They're not very strong defensively, but their offense is is a problem. I believe that they're the third best passing offense in the country. Yeah, looking at the numbers, they're fifth in the country in third down conversions, seventh in first downs, second in sacks allowed, second in passing yards, 23rd in points, 34th in red zone efficiency. Their offensive numbers are off the charts. Obviously, they struggle with rushing yards. They're only 74th, but when you're passing it 64 times in a game, that's going to happen. One thing I've noted is they are 108th in turnovers, and that is a that is an opportunity for Old Dominion. We're already good at turning the ball over. or ninth in the country on defense in turning our opposition over, and they're 108th. That is an opportunity for this team. Yeah, it, this is a big challenge for our defense. Obviously, they're up to it, but I'm sure this week this is going to be a focused defense and getting ready for this game because all the things you just laid out there, Mike, that's an impressive array of accomplishments that Georgia Southern has done this year, and I think something something's got to give, man, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on Saturday. So you, you mentioned the line. This game opened up. At 68 and a half. The total is now down to 68. However, the game also opened up as a pick 'em. The spread is now minus two and a half in Old Dominion's favor. So we are now a favorite. It's been a while since we could say that, fellas. This is the first game all season, right? Yeah. Or it was Arc State, or we are favored in Arc State. I can't remember. Yeah, we were a five. We closed at five and a half against Arkansas State. So we were a favorite, but I mean, it's only the second time all season we have been a favorite. In seven games. So on the defensive side of the ball, there's more opportunities. Our offense, obviously, statistically, we have some struggles. We're not great with third down conversions, first downs, sacks allowed, rushing yards, yards per play. Though we, showed we were capable of proving all of that against Coastal Carolina. Georgia Southern's defense is an opportunity. If we look at their numbers, the one thing they're good at is red zone efficiency. Other than that, 111th in sacks, 120th in first downs allowed, 102nd in passing yards, 125th in rushing yards. I got to imagine Blake Watson, if he heard that number, and Kevin Reiner, sees that number, that offensive line, all of them, they're going to be feasting. Their mouth is going to be watered. 121st in yards per play. Their defense gives up a lot in every which way, and it's going to be another opportunity. Yeah. Hey, Mike, just to step back to that offense again, because I know this is something that always intrigues you in looking at the height of the wide receivers and how they match up. So their top four wide receivers, none are taller than six foot. So Let's imagine... go. Let's go. <laughs> their top four, they really seem to spread it out well. Their top four receivers have 46, 44, 40, and 30 receptions. So clearly quarterbacks willing to go to just about anywhere. They do have some taller receivers, but the guys that seem to be really involved, none of their six, four guys. Most of them are one six foot. The rest of them are five eleven and below. Yeah, no Tobias Harris mismatches on height. I, I love to hear it. We saw that this past weekend, and yeah, Tobias gave up some pass plays, but he also made them very difficult pass plays. They had to make some ridiculous catches to get those. So I, I think that's a positive, and I like to hear that. Uh, and our defense is built to go against offenses that operate in this way like that four two five if you watch any big 12 football and watch kansas state that's what they've run that defense is why they're five and five against oklahoma in their last 10 outings because it's, it's built to stop these quick passing offenses and what they do you know van Treese is great as he's been i mean he's got over 2500 yards through their seven games 17 touchdowns but he's thrown 12 picks so the mindset of kind of the, the bend but don't break, let your uh, let your opponent make a mistake, I think is going to favor us quite a bit because if we can get them out there throwing the ball a lot of times, you're going to get a lot of interceptions. 
And we have some ball hawkers on that, in that defensive secondary, whether it's at the safety position, at the corner position, linebackers, whatever it may be. I, I think we have the opportunity to get some turnovers. And then on the offensive side of the ball for us, we need to establish the run, control the clock, and try to keep their offense on the field. But at the same time, I, I can see this going full shootout style where we're going five plays and scoring. They're going five plays and scoring. And the difference will be who protects the ball the best. I mean, you, you look at the, the game that they just had against JMU, and really what the difference was is Centeno for JMU threw three interceptions. That was really the difference in the game. So it's kind of who can be the most patient and make the fewest mistakes. But I like the way that our defense matches up against this offense. Doesn't mean we're not going to give up 30, 35 points. I can definitely see that happening. And then us scoring again in like the upper 40s or the 50s. But you may almost even see the offense try to help our defense with having those longer sustained drives that we've now proven that we can do and running that clock and forcing Georgia Southern to throw the ball when they shouldn't and throw into traffic and cause those turnovers. If we can get a lead by a touchdown or two, I think we're going to win this game because we're going to force them to make the mistakes and we're going to control the clock and close games out on offense. So one other stat that I kind of jumped out at me, they are second in the country on offense on sacks. They, I think their quarterbacks only been sacked twice this year. We are seventh in the country in sacks on defense. Something's got to break there. Either we're going to hit their quarterback or he's not going to get hit at all and we're going to drop in those rankings a little bit. That that with our rushing attack, which clearly it looks like they can't stop a rush, is going to be very interesting to see how that all folds out, all falls together. And the turnover battle as well, I really like us on that that end of the aspect, they're turning the ball over. That's the one weak point they have in their offense. And that's a strength for our defense. I don't know. I, I have been confident in the game winning in a while, but I know this won't be an easy one. This should be a shootout. But I think ODU yeah. wins this one. I don't know. I just The numbers look like they should be benefiting Old Dominion. Yeah, I mean, you feel like coming off of Coastal Carolina, we've got – this momentum starting to roll and it needs to carry on from coastal into Georgia Southern. It could be a little bit different looking game. And if we're the favorite, you may have a little bit different mentality, but we need to play this game. Like we're 12 point underdogs again, we need to go out there loose, free and easy, have guys that want to step up and make the play and not just look at your couple of playmakers to be like, all right, well, Ollie's going to make the catch. It's going to win us the game. Now that the mentality needs to be like it was on Saturday. I'm going to make the play to win the game. Continue seeing confidence from Hayden Wolf, letting that defense go eat. I mean, I it, it was it was so weird watching our defense be able to send six and get pressure, but still somehow nobody was open down the field for them to throw to. Like they got us once when we blitzed, and it was that 75-yard touchdown pass. That's the only time they caught us on a blitz the entire football game. And that is a testament to the defense being disciplined, being fast, knowing their assignments, being experienced there. I'm not taking anything for granted, though. We've seen some crazy shit in the Sun Belt. I mean, Texas State beat the brakes off of App State, and App State is a good football team. We see all kinds of weird stuff. So uh, uh, you enjoy the Coastal win. I know they watched film today. They did all of their stuff. They're flushing it. They're going to come back to practice on Tuesday and only talk about Georgia Southern and trying to find a way to beat Georgia Southern. And I think as a fan, we have to keep that mentality, too, because nothing carries over from week to week anymore. And that's exactly why I'm not going to make a pick, because as we've established in previous weeks, my picks suck. So I'm just going to cheer my ass off this week, starting with this tailgate at 10 a.m., because that sounds fabulous. Also, I, I will note, this is homecoming, and Old Dominion has its own history of homecoming failures. Don't say it. Come on, no, man. I'm, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying that. <laughs> no, hey, you're saying it. No, I'm not. I think we're going to win this game. I'm just saying that homecoming brings its own parallels that we have to be concerned with. You have homecoming parties. You got homecoming concerts. You got a lot of distractions. Just because all the stats say we should win doesn't mean it's make it so. And we already noted, Sunbelt, a lot of weird stuff happens. You never know what's going to happen. 
And Georgia Southern is bringing their own momentum. I mean, they just gave JMU their first loss of the year. Um, and, you know, that's going to carry some momentum from them and what they want to do. I mean, that's a, that's a big win. It really sends things wide open in the Sun Belt in terms of the standings. Like, we're sitting on top at 2-0, and which is fantastic right now. <laughs> be a lot better if we were 3-0 and on top with the tiebreaker over Coastal and setting up possibly a great – very important game with JMU later in the year, but anything can happen. We've seen how quickly that can change, right? App State. In one one week, yeah. Yeah, one week can ruin everything. But I want to throw out one more thing here. Georgia Southern, they have one win on the road. It is a very impressive win against Nebraska and Lincoln. But they have three losses on the road. You know, that's interesting you bring that up, but what is with those huge wins on the road? I mean, we've seen App State. We've seen Marshall. Now, I don't know if it's affected Georgia Southern as much, but it seems those huge, huge wins early were followed with some troubling times. I mean, Marshall looks like a dumpster fire. If you watch that game on Thursday, offensively, they're a nightmare. You've got quarterback parents calling out coaches you've got just just a disaster unfolding right now in in Huntington but you know I I wish we were playing them this weekend because I'd feel better about it because you know three weeks from now they may have righted the ship and they look like the best team in the Sun Belt again I don't know what it is about those big games they they showed a stat on like all those kind of upsets that happened and how it was actually Nebraska it was like the three teams that beat Nebraska, they had like one combined win going into the weekend after that. And the one win was was Georgia Southern beating Ball State. So it's like the, the curse of Nebraska. Like you can't get that Husker funk off of you after you beat them. All right. So I'm stoked for this game. I know you guys are. There's not much more to say that we already have. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.